This is episode 352 of the AWS podcast, released on January 20th, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back, and I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Ryan Ragona, who's a software development engineer for our crypto tools team. But, Ryan, I'll let you introduce yourself because you do lots of cool stuff here at Amazon. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, so I'm a software development manager on the AWS Encryption Tools team. I lead our open source core libraries group. So we make products like the AWS Encryption SDK, and our general goal is to make tools that are easy to use and hard to misuse so that you can encrypt <laughs> your data and uh, not screw it up too much. Yeah. yeah kind, of, kind of important. So I'm going to call out for, for regular listeners, this, this particular podcast is aimed fairly and squarely at those who are beginners to, to encryption, security, et cetera. So if you're like a... Um, a super duper encryption expert, you're not going to find this uh, episode particularly interesting. However, if you are someone who's going, I need to be secure and encrypted, but I don't know where to start. This is the episode for you. So Ryan, maybe let's start from, from the customer perspective, sitting there going, um, so someone told me I kind of need to protect my data. How, what, why, <laughs> where, where do I start? Yeah, that's a super similar place to start. And I, I think that any engineer who handles customer data finds themselves in this situation at some point. And really early on, you need to try to figure out what even is encryption? What does that mean to actually encrypt something? So we can kind of dig into what encryption means and some of the definitions of valuable properties that it gets you and, and how to keep those true. So if I jump right into it, the first one that you think of is, is confidentiality. You want to keep your data confidential so that if, let's imagine someone walks up to the hard drive that your data is sitting on, that all they see is a bunch of scrambled bits and they can't just read it off, right? So that's, that's kind of where we start is I just, want to, I just want to keep a secret. The next thing that we look at is integrity. This is another property that's very important. We want to make sure that the data hasn't changed in any way or been tampered with. Um, and there's actually a long list of cryptographic properties that different algorithms achieve. And they all tend to be a little different, which is really intimidating when you're first looking at it because there's, uh, there's also authenticity. This is very important, making sure that the data is authentic, by which we mean that the person that said that they created this data actually did so that you're talking to the person that you think you're talking to. Um, and as you start investigating this, um, and we're talking mostly about symmetric encryption right now, saving our data at rest. Mm -hmm. As you start going into this, um, you'll notice that some algorithms give you maybe one of those. Maybe they just give you confidentiality. Maybe they give you confidentiality and integrity, but not authenticity. And so it's tricky to figure out how to pick a good algorithm to actually give you all of those properties. And, and this is important because, uh, as Werner Vogels likes to say, you want to uh, dance like no one's watching and encrypt like everyone is. And <laughs> exactly. I have that on a poster in my house. <laughs> and I, I guess one of the things is we've kind of always known about encryption as a concept, but in the past the overhead of applying it both from a performance perspective and a, a management perspective has been very high. But that's not the case anymore, is it? 
It's not. AWS has done a really good job making it so that if you want to encrypt your data at rest in a large number of our services, you can use something called server-side encryption, which in many cases is, is actually as easy as checking a box within the AWS console. So that's the, the default that we recommend starting with is just use server-side encryption and we'll make sure that the data is encrypted at rest. So let's let's pick away at that a little a little more because if, if we think about the fact that you know if if I know I have to encrypt my data either because someone's told me to or I recognize it's the right thing to do, you know, I don't want anyone to see my data under any circumstances unless they're supposed to. How do I how do I get that? How do I get that encryption? You know, there's, you know, I may know a few few older older types of encryption, newer types of encryption, but how do I actually start? That's a really good question. So let me kind of start, I'm going to jump to the end. There's a mm. bunch of things you can do, but my recommendation is that for most use cases, you should let AWS encrypt your data using a KMS, a key management service master key. This gives you control over the key that we use to encrypt your data. And our servers will make sure that that data is encrypted at rest, which protects you from certain kinds of issues. So that encryption process, that's really a case where the, the customer owns the key. So, so you've got like the key to the door yep. and it's using, using the, the AWS KMS technology and well-established encryption protocols, which we can talk about shortly, to do the encryption. So it's handling that heavy lifting of the encryption. But as a customer, you, you've got the key. We don't have the key. Yeah, the way that works is interesting. So the way that it works um, with KMS in particular is that we run a big fleet of something called hardware security modules. And that sounds fancy, but it's, it's really just a, a big phrase for a server that encrypts things. So hardware security modules, you hear them called HSMs. HSMs are hardened in some way so that they are um, protected from various types of attacks and they support something called non-exportable keys. So when a customer creates a customer master key, it gives them the ability to control access and audit to that particular key, and then they can grant access for AWS to use it. And then of course, if they ever need to revoke that access, it's within the customer's control so they can um, revoke all access to a key, which makes the data that is encrypted with that key completely uh, inaccessible. And when we talk about encryption, obviously there's different methods of encryption. What, what are some of the, the phrases or, or um, technologies that people should at least be aware of as to what kind of encryption we use in, in different points of the architecture? Yeah, so let's start with something you'll hear a lot. It's symmetric versus asymmetric encryption. This is a common point of confusion for people who are getting into the area. And of course, there's a really complicated mathematical way to think about this, but I'm just gonna say that symmetric encryption uses the same key to encrypt and to decrypt, whereas asymmetric, you get something called a key pair, which has a public and a private key, and one is used for encryption as one is used for decryption. So starting off, um, asymmetric versus symmetric is important to understand. They have some other properties. For example, asymmetric encryption tends to be quite a bit slower in terms of your processor, whereas symmetric encryption is quite a bit faster. But 
Symmetric encryption suffers from having to share that key. And so what you end up seeing in practice is that usually you'll use an asymmetric algorithm to generate a session key. This is how something like TLS does it when you're um, calling an HTTPS website. Um, so you use that asymmetric key, which is a little slower, but it allows you to establish a symmetric key over a uh, basically an insecure channel. So that's one of the really cool things about all of the crazy math behind asymmetric encryption is that you can use it to establish symmetric session keys that you use going forward. So that's that's one early concept. Another one that I, I bring up is within symmetric encryption, there's one very, very common block cipher that's called AES, and that's the Advanced Encryption Standard. So you'll, when you start digging into encryption, you'll start seeing AES a lot because it's the most used symmetric encryption algorithm. And it's interesting how the, the, the industry moves from time to time around these algorithms. I mean, there was the, the old days of DES and triple DES used to be the, uh, the, the best thing, but I guess as compute evolves, the uh, encryption algorithms have to get more and more resistant to compute power, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. DES and triple DES, like you said, were the, the standard for a long time. Uh, and triple DES is a bit of a funny story because what you see with triple DES is it's just doing DES three times. Uh, because we realized that that DES was uh, not secure because processing power had advanced to the point that the, the block and key sizes in DES weren't enough. And so we were able to squeeze a little bit more out of that as a cryptographic community by just doing it a few times, <laughs> um, which does improve. But as you can imagine, it, it improves security, but it's not exactly super fast. And so AES is now the the blessed algorithm that you'll you'll mostly see. And in fact, in certain regulatory environments, you have to use AES. So it's uh, it's very very common. And, and so, if I'm looking to protect my data, can I just sort of throw it all in a database? Make sure that a database supports some form of encryption and call it good. You totally can. Um, and you'll you'll start hitting issues though. And so one of the first issues you'll hit is, okay, great. I Maybe you generated a key, you encrypted a bunch of data, and you're feeling pretty good because you have a bunch of ciphertext that you can't access without that key. But you're immediately going to be stuck holding this key, and it's, it's kind of hard to put down is the problem. Because whatever server is supposed to access that data is going to need the key, but if you just put the key on the server, then anyone who gets access to the server gets access to the key and now they have access to your data anyway. And so key management becomes a really tricky problem almost immediately when you start handling sensitive data. So what you're telling me is it's more complicated than it might look, <laughs> which is why people- It, it really it. is. Yeah, it unfortunately is very complicated. And are there certain categories of data that I shouldn't encrypt? You know, there's probably a, probably a feeling of, well, I should just encrypt. You know, I'm, I'm encrypting across the wire. I should just encrypt when I store stuff. I'll just, I'll just encrypt, encrypt, encrypt. What are some of the things I might not choose to encrypt? That's a good question. I'd, I'd say that you don't need to encrypt anything that you're comfortable being public. Um, if you have your website, for example, maybe you're serving that out of a static S3 bucket, um, you don't necessarily need to encrypt your public website because it's right there on your website to read anyway. 
Um, but in general, the, the question I tell people to ask themselves is, if this data was sitting in a paste bin somewhere, would that be okay with you? And if the answer is yes, then maybe you can skip encryption. So let's then maybe look at look at one of those operational things that seems to pop up in the news from time to time, which is uh, data in logs. And and obviously, the, there's data in logs you want to see, and there's there's data that's sensitive and not sensitive. What's what's the best practice? Do you just encrypt the whole log? Do you encrypt PII in the log? Do you not log that data at all? What's the, what's the best practice at the moment? That gets really tricky, and I think that if you're if you're doing a lot of logging of data, which is very common, especially in very large systems where perhaps one of the servers closer to the edge of your network is doing logging of perhaps every request, then it becomes super important, like you said, that there's a way to not log certain fields. But even configuring it such that you don't log those fields is often not enough because it means that that data is still on that server somewhere. And it also means that you're just one bad config push away from accidentally starting to log that data. And we've seen that at some pretty large scales, like you said, in the news. And so in that case, if there's data that absolutely should not be logged, um, it's much better to encrypt it. And you talked a bit about symmetric and asymmetric encryption, and we, we then sort of tangentially touched on server-side encryption. But if there's server-side encryption, that means there's client-side encryption. And tell us how the two kind of complement each other or where they fit. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll refer back to your log question. If you are submitting data to a series of servers and you don't have control over all of them, then it can make a lot of sense to use client-side encryption. And so what client-side encryption is, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. You have some client somewhere. Maybe that client is a server. Maybe it's a user's computer or phone. And it's the act of encrypting it on that client before you submit it to whatever server you're submitting it to. Now, this gives you end-to-end -end control over the data so that you can encrypt it before you make whatever API call you're making. You can then send it all the way through the system to whatever you're hoping will decrypt it or store it. And you're guaranteed that the, the middleware, the systems between those two points uh, cannot intersect or tamper with your data. So for the most sensitive data, client-side encryption is often uh, a very good choice, especially if you're using a lot of perhaps third-party systems, um, if you have a very complicated environment where it's difficult to actually control what's being logged where, or you don't trust all of the nodes in your service, then it makes a lot of sense to do client-side encryption. Sure. Now, we, we're going to talk about some of the tools that are available to AWS customers to make it easier to encrypt. But I guess to contextualize what easier looks like, we probably need to talk about what's hard. So what are some of the, the issues and costs and complexities that traditionally, if you wanted to roll out encryption across your environment that you'd have to face? That's a good question. So let's imagine that you wanted to just do client-side encryption. You're sold. You think your data is very important. And for this particular use case, you think you need to do client-side encryption. There's a whole lot of software you need to write. And it's unfortunately software that's very difficult to get correct. It's tricky stuff. So like we talked about, you need to pick an appropriate block cipher. You need to pick an appropriate mode. You have to generate the right number of keys per piece of data. 
Um, we haven't talked about something called data keys yet, but it's a very common pattern where as opposed to just having one key that encrypts absolutely all of your data, which makes that one key incredibly valuable, you end up using these individual data keys for individual pieces of data, it could be objects or messages or whatever makes sense within your application. So there's a lot of details to get right. Um, and that's of course very costly because many teams don't have experts who can um, kind of hit the ground running with that. So there's a lot of research required um, and actually building out those tools is, is quite expensive. And then there's also, I guess, the, the administrative side of those those keys of, of doing best practice like rotating keys. So you should change them on a frequent basis. And if you suspect a key is compromised, you definitely need to rotate it. All, all that, again, it sounds easy for me to say rotate the key, but how do you get it out to all the systems that are using the keys? It just gets more and more Exactly. That all adds up very quickly. <laughs> So, so what what is what are the teams that AWS built for our customers to make it easy to to encrypt and to have a, a life cycle of encryption? So, within the AWS cryptography org, um, we've got a number of web services that you've probably heard of. So, these are things like um, KMS. This is our key management service. There's the Amazon Certificate Manager or ACM. There's Cloud HSM, which is our hosted HSM offering. And then we also have a number of client-side tools and libraries, which is what my team specifically works on. So the AWS Encryption SDK is a piece of software that you can use to do client-side encryption. Um, and all of these work with the various AWS services. So early, early on the call, you asked me about kind of a, a high-level recommendation, and using KMS with the um, other AWS services like S3 and DynamoDB is a really good way to get encryption working very quickly um, and have server-side encryption that still works well with all of your existing services. And, uh, and that's very good advice because it is it is a sort of check, checkbox type experience, which is what we want because we want to make security easy to be done by default. And you did touch on the client side. And I think that I want to dive into that a little bit with you because obviously your team spends a lot of time thinking about it and building for our customers around that SDK. And and there's always a, the classic saying in, in crypto circles of don't write your own crypto because um, it's yes. really, really hard. And and I, I guess so. Your your team is is fundamentally involved in writing crypto or at least leveraging crypto. So tell us about we how are. you think about the domain and and some of the the work that goes into that. You know, I'll, I'll share that I've worked in a lot of um, different types of teams and building product teams and prototypes. It's really important that you move quickly, you get to market quickly. Um, and we work sort of, I'd say the opposite of that. We work slowly. We work very carefully. We do a lot of security reviews. Um, our libraries use some uh, advanced security testing topics like fuzzing and formal verification. So we we try really hard to go above and beyond to make sure that the libraries we launch are, um, are safe, they're well vetted. We actually have a team here um, within AWS Cryptography called the Algorithms Group. 
The algorithms group is run by someone named Matt Campania. And this is, I say often, this is where we keep all of our, um, our fancy PhDs. So <laughs> we have a whole bunch of mathematicians who studied cryptography uh, very, very, very deeply. They know a lot more about it than I do. Um, and so these are the people that we really keep around as the experts. And so when we're developing a, a new library, including the AWS encryption SDK, we spend a lot of time sitting down with our team of PhD cryptographers and making sure that the protocols are, are sane and valid and are gonna do what we want. And so I, I like to think that we really go above and beyond in making sure that the quality bar is very high. Um, and it's the kind of thing that would be very expensive for every single software team to have to do it. Uh, and so I'm very happy that we have invested in this area. And that, that SDK, where does it fit? What sort of languages does it support and, and where can where should customers be taking advantage of it? So we have that on GitHub. This is a, an open source library that anyone can read the code or contribute to. Right now, we have the SDK in JavaScript, Java, C, and Python. And we also have a command line interface that allows you to do debugging very easily just using a standard um, bash set of tooling. So we have those sort of five environments supported right now. Um, and one of the things my team is doing is, is working on adding as many more languages to be natively supported as we can. Um, but if you use one of those four languages, you can use it today. Um, and if not, you should expect a language to be coming hopefully soon. And if you don't see the language that you want, um, please let us know on our GitHub so that we can, we can hear about it. Exactly, and that and that SDK is provided free of charge, and it's released under the Apache license. So, uh, want to make it easy for people to use security, and I'm I'm sure uh, Ryan, you and the team want to get as much uh, involvement and feedback through the uh, the GitHub issues as well. Absolutely, we're always happy to hear from people, and our our GitHub issues are the right way to do it. We have someone on call who um, makes sure that they're looking at these things, and we're always happy to hear from customers. Fantastic. Well, Ryan, sounds like uh, if you want to encrypt it, it's pretty easy to get started. Uh, and knowing a few of the fundamentals means your journey can be a little bit smoother. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Excellent. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at Amazon.com is a place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.